Terry Simmons, and you're listening to KTVS3's Doc Talk. This is the place to be to hear informative, forward-thinking, solution-based discussions about what contributes to our mental health and our overall well-being. And you can download a new episode every other Wednesday morning wherever you listen to podcasts. Joining us today is Dr. Mike Sewell. Doctor, tell us about yourself. So um, I'm Shreveport, um, not really a native. I moved here in high school. I went to high school here, college here, med school and, and residency all in Shreveport. Uh, worked in Bossier for 22 years and came back uh, to Austin LSU to teach and take care of sick people and uh, kind of expand the healthcare in Northwest Louisiana. And we talk about everything contributes to our mental health. Mm -hmm. And internal medicine can do so much to help us with that that we're just seeing that it's been doing it all this time, but now we're really coming to the forefront about mental health. And, and also, let's talk about um, hospitalists. Being a hospitalist and hospital medicine is a fairly new subspecialty, right? Yeah, hospital medicine's been around for about 20 years, um, but uh, in the Shreveport Bossier area, uh, really the last 10 to 12 years it's really taken off mm -hmm. um, and I, I formerly was a traditional internist I had a practice uh, office practice I did hospital too um, and then uh, it's becoming so complicated to cover everything in internal medicine because it's so broad that um, it, most people are specializing now in doing either outpatient care or inpatient care. So if you come to the hospital and your doctor doesn't come, um, my team will take care of you, uh, get you well, get you out of the hospital, and then send you back to your doctor. Well, that's really interesting. And that's and the term is hospitalist. Hospitalist. We hear that sometimes and we don't really know what that means. Why did it come about? Um, just because um, the doctors were overwhelmed with, number one, with information. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I tell my, my students and residents that I'm teaching now mm -hmm. that diabetes was really easy when I was a resident 30 years ago because we only had two kinds of insulin and, and two kinds of pills and now you know there's hundreds of insulins and pills and different ways to treat diabetes um, and that's just one example there's all those for all kind of disease processes and it's just almost too much to keep up with and so you really need to focus on outpatient or inpatient um, and it's better utilization of people without burning people out and making them quit. That's another good point right there, which leads to what we're talking about. You really, your whole, this whole specialty is coming in to really provide more support to people who are in these types of conditions and these, these occupations to, for your mental health, just for your, no burnout. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, the old way of um, everybody just put their head down and grind and, and just go and keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. uh, and we ruined a lot of people that way. <laughs> and uh, not just in medicine, but in every industry. And so now wellness uh, is coming to the forefront. Uh, mental wellness, physical wellness, how they're intertwined, how they're tied together. Um, getting people time off, getting people good work-life balance, and it actually makes people better at their jobs, makes them more effective, and if we don't take care of the mental health of the, of the physicians and nurses and other healthcare providers, they're not gonna be in a position to take care of other people. That's right. So uh, it's working in every industry, and we finally realized that uh, physician heal thyself. It took us a long time. <laughs> it took a long time. But we finally got around to, to taking care of ourselves, which puts us in a better position to take care of others. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where it really started. Between the information overload and the work overload, um, we had to divide it somehow. And that's why hospital medicine and outpatient medicine became uh, the entities they are. Mm -hmm. And when it first came about, did you say that? And was there any resistance? Oh, no, I was, it was kind I, of a backdoor. I was, I was anti-hospitalist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't believe in it uh, because I was trained that we just, you know, did our jobs every day and we took care of people. Um, and I thought, when you go in the hospital, who better to come see you than the guy that you have been following with for the last 10 years and a guy that sees you every few months and knows everything about you. The problem is I worked every single day for years. I worked every day. Um, still had people in the, in the hospital on holidays. 
on weekends. Uh, I went early, stayed late, and I missed out on a lot of stuff. And um, I found a way. I, I made kids ball games, and I, but you know, it was always the the, the sacrifice of sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just slept less, and you know, eventually that's not a good thing. But I. Um, after I became a hospitalist, uh, which there were a lot of factors that went into that, um, I realized that we could actually be better at our jobs if we took better care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's hard for people in other uh, workplaces to understand too, because especially those of us that were were trained in the old uh, the old mm-hmm. days that you just go and do and keep your mouth shut. That's true. I mean, it's been the culture for a long time. And some probably thought it never would change because it seemed like the right thing to do. You're in this because you love it. You're saving lives, of course. And it feeds you, too. It's really hard. Is it hard to recognize in yourself because you're doing what you love? You're pushing. You're, you're, you're there. You're saving lives. You come home. You feel good. Is it hard to recognize that mentally it might not be so oh, stable? Oh, yeah. Because in, uh, physicians that are really successful and really thrive. Um, get rejuvenated and get recharged by doing what you know doing their work and by helping other people and so um, we think that it's helping us uh, but eventually cumulatively it takes a toll right uh, but it's when you're inside it going and all you do is work mm-hmm. it's hard to it's hard to see those things it really is and do you think you see to me, it just seems in the medical profession, it might be a little different. If someone's in the office or even in television, uh, someone will say, you're working way too hard, take a break. But they don't seem to say that probably. Do they not say that to doctors? You don't tell a doctor, oh, back off. You don't need to do so many operations. They, they didn't, but they're starting to now. Okay, good. Okay, so yeah. we're, we're, we're kind of moving the needle a little bit. Um, now, uh, physicians in training have limitations on how many hours they can work in a week and how many days in a row they can work. And, you know, we didn't know those things. And yeah. initially, we thought, that it was being lazy to not do those things. Yes. And it's actually working smarter and not harder and being more productive while you're there. Um, but even, you know, like in TV, people see you and they, they tell you what a good job you did. Yeah. And that makes you want to go back and do it more. Yeah, and you want to do it better. When you get praised for yes. what you do, it makes you want to go back and do more of it. And sometimes yeah. it's it can be too much of a good thing. It really can because I can relate just on that level on just TV and everything because I feel like this is my platform. This is my service. I feel like it's what I do to serve. I tell the story and entertain even if it's with serious news. And so I do feel like it's it's my platform. It's the way I give. So it's very easy to fall into that being there, you know, 12 to 14 hours because people don't see a lot of the behind the scenes that they see with doctors too. They don't see what all goes on to make something happen for that hour that you're on television or all the knowledge and everything that's gone into you to operate for, you know, even four hours at a time or whatever. It's just, it, it does. There's so much more than people see. It is. And, and a lot of places too, people don't see the work that's done outside of the time that you're there. Right. You know, and, and being on call at two in the morning, um, you know, a lot of people who don't work in our fields, but work in an office um, setting, they're in the office from eight to five every day, but then they go home and work from six to 10 at home. And then they get up early and do things and, and they work on the weekends at home. And, and um, th- there's a point of diminishing return with that and, yeah. and with regard to mental health and with physical health as well. Yes, because it can only go so far, that replenishment, being happy with what you do and knowing you're providing a service and feeling good and following your purpose still. And that's the point what we like to talk to today and on Doc Talk that you, it's still gonna take its toll, that there are other ways to make yourself um, feel fulfilled yes. uh, in a job other than working 20 hours a day and not seeing your family and sleeping. We don't have to modify. We don't have to squeeze in our kids' games. We can make time. And when we flip it, do you find that if you flip it a little bit and you go and that's your priority, 
and the other thing is is just the other thing you do in your life. The, they both even out. Yeah, and the, one of the problems with um, with this is um, we work so we get so busy working that we can't see those things. And until you flip it uh, and and pull the trigger and actually go do that, mm -hmm. um, it, you can't see that it's what the benefit is. No. And uh, again, the the older generation and the and the people who were brought up this way, well, we view it as as you know slacking and not doing our job right if we take time off mm -hmm. or if we uh, tell people no and um, we have to self you know self-preserve uh, so burnout is a huge topic in medicine it's becoming a huge topic in a lot of places and um, right now we have a, um, a nursing and physician shortage that was already in, in place and then COVID took a tremendous toll on the mental health the physical health the emotional health of healthcare providers and really every profession, mm -hmm. and so now we're we're faced with a critical nursing shortage that is going to take years to overcome, um, because those nurses stayed there and did their job and worked through it, and we were short staffed, so they overworked and and burned out, and we can't allow that in any profession, mm -hmm. um, because then it puts you behind for for some, maybe a generation to catch up. Absolutely, and do you feel like it's that's what that's what has come out of this like we were already COVID just really just kind of shined a light on what was already going on it was already just not sustainable anymore with life it needed to change and then you think about the medical professionals who were already like that and then working all those shifts you talk about during COVID and in a situation where we were in a pandemic going through something we had never gone through before so the mental capacity it took to persevere and do your job when you were already in that state of mind must have been just tremendous and now's the time to pay attention to that yeah and you know during the the early days of COVID when we didn't know what COVID was yeah. you know and we knew doctors and nurses in Italy were dying and we knew that you know was this a, a, a really bad cold or was it the bubonic plague or was it turns out it was somewhere in between but we didn't know mm -hmm. and that emotional stress and that mental stress was a huge deal and um, but we've looked at um, at COVID as uh, something that we can get positives out of. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many things now that we take for granted that came from the space program. Yes. You know, and uh, and cell phones and, and uh, pins that write upside down. <laughs> things that uh, are very important, things that are frivolous, but they came from that program. We're developing so many new medical techniques and, and uh, we've come to learn so much knowledge about not just COVID, but around COVID, uh, but burnout and mental health has become a huge deal. Being isolated from other people during COVID point. Uh, really took a mental toll on people mm -hmm. because they couldn't go interact with their friends. They couldn't get to their families. And so then they got sick and they had the physical toll and some of the post-COVID neurologic problems uh, and the COVID brain fog, which I will tell you is real. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so uh, it really became um, more than just a pandemic. All right. Fortunately, it's kind of helped us refocus and, and learn that we do need to pay better attention to mental health uh, as healthcare professionals, but as individuals, mm -hmm. and that our own mental health is, is important and it's okay to look at it. Yeah. You know, it's not as stigmatized as it was. A lot of people felt selfish if they looked at their own mental health. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're actually helping yourself and you're helping others yeah. if you take care of yourself mentally. Right. And COVID kind of helped us refocus that. Yeah. 
And do you think we're at a point where we can keep moving forward that we won't slip back under anything? You know, we've thought that several times and we keep having little recurrences. And <laughs> yeah. uh, we were talking this morning with the crew about uh, some of the family members still getting COVID. Uh, so uh, we're hopeful moving forward. We do have some better techniques now to prevent. Uh, we've got vaccines, we've got new variants, we've got medications when people get COVID. So we're hopeful that we can move forward and we don't get back like we were in 2020. Yeah. Uh, but even if something like that happens, again, we're better prepared for it mm -hmm. with medical care and with mental and emotional care than we were before because, like you said, we had never never done that. It was, it was all new ground for us. And now we're better prepared to deal with those things, whether it be a, a pandemic or anything else that's going to impact global mental health and global emotional health, we're better prepared to deal with. Yeah. And you feel like it is now the time we can focus on mental health yes. instead of mental illness, because mental illness is an illness. Yes. It is something. It is in the brain. It's chemical. Um, there can be a lack of dopamine. There's all kinds of things that internal medicine can help so much in this movement for mental health. You know, primary care is where almost all of that happens. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks mental health is treated by psychiatry. Uh, that's a, a very small minority. Yes. And I was, I was really shocked when, um, when I finished my residency here and I went into practice and I practiced in Bossier for 22 years. And the first uh, 15 or 16 of that, I had an office practice where I saw patients uh, every day in my clinic. Uh, and I was shocked by how much psychiatry and mental health that I did. Mm -hmm. And most people um, need counseling. They need, some need medicines. Some just need a little guidance and a little coach. And psychiatry is not where you get that. You get a lot of that from your primary care physician. And that's where internal medicine and family practice uh, are huge assets uh, that people underutilize mm -hmm. uh, when they feel poorly or when they don't recognize what's going on and they need somebody to talk that through with. Your primary care physician is one, the one that can get you started and then refer you to counseling if needed and get you some resources. But uh, you know, you don't have to need inpatient care or need a psychiatrist to take care of your mental health. And if you seek out your primary care physician, that's the best place to start. Best place to start. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you can't, it's not either or. They can all work together. But some people think, you know, I'm not, I'm okay, I'm just sad. Right. Or I don't know why I'm just off and not feeling like myself. And it could be a chemical imbalance, hormones, it could be anything. And, um, and do you think that they're working together now where you do go and it's okay to go in and talk to your primary care physician saying, I don't, I'm not hurting anywhere, I don't feel sick, but I'm just off, I don't feel like myself. Yeah, I think you need to. And, and being off uh, can be a lot of things. Yeah. Some of them are very dangerous, yes. okay? You could have heart disease or thyroid disease or kidney disease or liver problems that are, make you feel off, but they're nonspecific and you don't know, you just know something's not right. Yes. You know, and, um, a lot of times getting the medical end treated will make the mental health problem better. Mm -hmm. uh, it may be an underlying mental health issue. And one of the biggest problems I had in primary care was convincing my patients that mental health was a medical issue because they thought it was all in their head. And I had to explain to them, it's, it, it's not all in your head. A lot of it's in your neurotransmitters, <laughs> neurotransmitters <laughs> in <yeah>. your brain, okay? <laughs> but it doesn't mean they're broken. They're just, they're just off. And we need, may need to regulate those. And the, the proof that it is a medical condition is medications help. Uh, you know, and, and if we fix that neurotransmitter imbalance, uh, then we can put you back on track. And I think COVID has helped people realize it's okay to, to go ask. And I think getting the stigma of mental health uh, away has been a benefit yes. from COVID. 
we do need to take all the shame and blame away out of any of that together. And now knowing that it works together, I mean, can you imagine what a relief it is? You go into your primary care doctor and you don't know what's wrong. And he goes, you know, we checked you all out. Everything's just, you know, some things just aren't clicking. And even then, if you find out that you physically are healthy, but there's still something to talk about, your primary care doctor can also tell you that. You know, I think maybe you just need to go talk to somebody. Yes. And, and a lot of times, you know, there's a difference between a medical condition that may kill you and may be potentially dangerous versus something that may just be holding you back from being your best. Yes. Okay. And we we have stigmatized this by, by the term mental illness. And I really don't like the term mental illness. I don't either. Okay. Mental health. And I know it's just one word, but it's a huge deal because we think a lot of times about going to see our primary care physician to preserve and optimize our health in more of a preventative care thing. Okay. Right. We go and learn how to do diet and exercise, not to, to, to regain health, but to stay healthy. Okay. And yes. maybe sometimes you need a checkup on your mental health to help you stay healthy mentally. Mm -hmm. That's true. And yeah, and I think <clears throat> calling it an illness, and sometimes we don't realize if you're going to call it an illness, then take that shame out of it too. It is an illness. There is something in your brain, just like if you had a broken arm or you had a stomachache or you had a, an ulcer. If you have mental illness, there might be something in there that you need some medication. You need do need some help with that. But I think you're right. I think it's time to really focus on mental health. Let's get mentally healthy, physically healthy. It all works together instead of focusing on illness and what's wrong or what can go wrong. And that's where your primary care physicians can help yeah. too. Your family practice and nurse, uh, nurse practitioners, PAs uh, that are often uh, part of the primary care network. Mm -hmm. Those people are very knowledgeable and very helpful in this too. And as you go see those physicians to preserve your physical health and to make sure that your blood pressure is controlled and make sure that your heart's okay, make sure that your brain is okay too and make sure that your, your mental condition and your emotions are okay. And if they're not, let's work on preserving those and optimizing those and keeping you around for a long time and keeping you functioning at a high level. And, and yeah. don't wait until you know, the car's broken down on the side of the road to call somebody for help. You know, yeah. when, you, when the car starts knocking and, and having a little uh, issue, maybe not doing what you think it ought to, now's the time to go see somebody. Yeah, and when you do get a big alert, um, be grateful for that alert because like if your car runs out of gas and it's on empty and you see it's on empty You don't just get out and leave it on the side of the road or get mad or say well I'll never drive again. It's done. You're grateful that it showed you it's almost empty You go get some gas yes. and it's the same thing and um, Do you feel like people are more open? I know back in the day like you said before I want to go see my same doctor same doctor I've been to for 10 10 years don't send in you know a PA don't send which is a physician's assistant mm -hmm. for people listening um, Do you feel like people are more interested now to the team of people that are helping? Them? I, I think so, and I think um, the the fact that we do have a primary care physician shortage, uh, you know, and, and that's where nurse practitioners and PAs have really helped um, kind of uh, fill in the gaps and extend the neck the network. And people are grateful just to be able to see anyone. Sometimes uh, I think with with regard to hospital medicine, you know, initially people didn't want to see a hospitalist either; uh, they wanted to see their doctor. Mm -hmm. um, but their doctor can't work every day. And uh, people are starting to realize, too, that hospital medicine and, and outpatient medicine are two different things. Mm -hmm. And you need an expert in each. Ah. And if you're, if you're sick and in the hospital, you want somebody who absolutely knows all the ins and outs of acute hospital medicine mm -hmm. and taking care of those things. Whereas in the clinic, there's some subtle things that um, maybe not be quite as noticeable. Uh, maybe not be quite, you know, that you need a, a relationship with somebody. Yeah. that's long term mm -hmm. so that they can notice then they may notice you're not right before you do yeah or may ask you before you mention it mm -hmm. and so i think people are 
uh, are realizing the value of seeing a physician regularly uh, and building that relationship. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the terms, like what a nurse practitioner actually is, what a nurse practitioner actually does. What is, what is that, yeah. that so, title? Uh, a nurse practitioner um, is an RN. They're a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. They've been to nursing school. Most of them have worked as a nurse uh, for some time. And then you know, they go back to school and get additional training. And they also get additional uh, clinical time with patients and they are licensed to diagnose, they're licensed to treat, they can write prescriptions, uh, and they can do a lot of things in Louisiana that a physician can do. Uh, physician's assistants have a similar role, and uh, we could talk all day about the subtle differences, and I'm not an expert. I'd like to have a, a nurse practitioner and a PA in here to tell you the, the, the subtle differences between them, but they're both fully capable of diagnosing, treating, writing prescriptions, counseling, doing all the things in a primary care setting uh, that you would need to get started. Right. And they can refer you to counselors, they can refer you to other people, uh, but if there's not enough doctors, you're better off uh, you know, seeing a nurse practitioner or a PA than not seeing anyone. Right. Uh, we've got to have those support systems. And uh, they help in the hospital as well. A lot of our specialties now, uh, our surgeons are so busy operating and in the clinic uh, that they just can't handle the volume. Mm -hmm. And nurse practitioners and PAs help them rounding in the hospital. They assist during surgeries. They help out in clinic. And they, they make everything more efficient. And I, I've actually known of quite a few patients who, once they establish that relationship, they really don't want to see the doctor they again. No, they've got that bond with that, with that PA or nurse practitioner, and they want to keep that. Yeah. And so um, it's, it's a better network. The, the bigger the network and the more support systems we have, the better it is for everyone. Yeah. So I think it, we could reframe that, and since we're talking about healthier terms, that you, instead of saying, oh, I, I'm seeing this one, I want to see my doctor, the variety and the team that you're building, the more people that you do see in that team, that's the more people who know you and all the notes go into one thing. These people could be talking and, and, and they've all seen you. They could be talking behind the scenes and, and come together with what they've seen. And when you say different things to different people and have these different relationships within this one team, it seems like this is a huge advantage for us as patients. It is. And we, we've we actually kind of moved away from the term physician and we use the term provider, mm -hmm. a lot, which is a, actually an, uh, an insurance company. Uh, <laughs> Uh, term, right. uh, global term, but we've realized the value of recognizing the contributions that, that these individuals are making and how valuable they are. Um, and uh, a lot of people um, see their, instead of their primary care physician, see their primary care provider. And especially in rural areas, um, sometimes there's not a physician. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just uh, an NP or a PA uh, out there who may have support from physicians, um, but they may be the only one in the clinic that day. And um, uh, they've really come a long way in helping support, yeah. both, both in, in um, medical illnesses and physical health and in mental health as well. Yeah. So, and a lot of nurse practitioners are actually psychiatry trained. Uh, we use PAs and NPs at Louisiana Behavioral Health, which is our inpatient psych facility and our outpatient psych clinics at Oshner. Um, there's a, a high penetration of PAs and NPs um, that help with, uh, with those, those clinics and hospitals. Which again says the understanding that yeah. medicine has with them, the mind, body, soul, the whole thing together. Are you finding that more, a lot of crossover where they are psych trained in psychiatry also? Yes, yes, yeah. and especially the, uh, uh, the, the um, um, nurse practitioners and PAs, uh, a lot of them specialize in psychiatry and that's all they do. And a lot of PAs and MPs do 
primary care, they do family practice, or they do internal medicine, they do clinics and hospital, um, but a lot of them are specializing now. Mm -hmm. And so we have orthopedics, uh, uh, PAs and we have um, nurse practitioners in trauma surgery at Oshner LSU and uh, you know they're they're highly specialized um, in, in some regard but uh, they're all fully capable fully capable and and more even more than we're thinking you may walk in and just, you're really getting it sounds like we're getting more than we even think we're getting we're sitting down and we have no idea what this person is specialized in and mm -hmm. all the work that not only advancements in medicine but the advancements in the training and the people that want to know more it seems like more doctors and nurses are um, having the available to reach out even more because they want to understand more about the whole person so it's a little yeah, different than I, it was back I, in the day. I think day. that um, uh, we do have a big, bigger um, recognition and understanding of uh, mental health and how it pertains to physical health. And they're both intertwined. And a physical illness will cause mental health to deteriorate. A mental health issue will cause physical health to deteriorate as well. And they're intertwined. And I think COVID kind of helped us recognize that. Uh, as I said, from a, from a burnout standpoint, and burnout's really a hot topic in medicine <laughs> and uh, probably a hot topic yeah, as well. Very much, yes. <laughs> uh, because we do uh, tend to overdo and overextend. Um, but everybody uh, can get burned out from this, uh, uh, from, from over-utilization of, of their own resources. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, recognition of that and the, the fact that it can actually cut your life short uh, and it can yeah. actually make you function at a, higher, a lower level. Uh, going forward and that's something that we really didn't if we did recognize it we didn't put a lot of emphasis on it and so now that's become a growing thing and i think that working that the way those intertwine mm -hmm. is really going to be a benefit to to every patient and to every industry yeah, I think you're right. A lot of things that we did recognize, we just didn't put the emphasis on. That was very well said. You're right. Now the emphasis has turned a little bit. We're seeing how important it is. Um, that, that way of life was shortening our lives. And, uh, and definitely if we lived longer, we didn't have the quality of life. Uh, yeah. And now that seems important to us. You know, we look at some of the companies that are on the leading edge, uh, you know, and, and uh, Google and Apple and some of the innovations of, of how they treat employees. And, uh, you know, they have um, uh, stand-up workstations and they have um, pods where they can go uh, relax in. And, and some of them encourage you to go take a nap in the afternoons. Yeah. We, we thought all those things were crazy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and had <laughs> made no sense to us medically. But then we look and those companies are thriving. Mm -hmm. And the companies that actually focus more on the health and well-being of their employees are the ones that are making the biggest progress. <laughs> and maybe we need to stop and refocus a little bit and think that, you know, uh, you know, putting your head down and plowing uh, all the time may not be the best way. Yeah. That it, was, it, it was all we knew for a while, but it may not be the best way. Yeah, we're finding now that really a happier person has seems to have more hours in their day. It just works that way. We just... Um, we thought it was ridiculous, like because you, 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 like you said, we're we're lazy if we didn't work all the, you know, the, all the hours we were supposed to. And when someone said, "Go pet your cat," or "Go play with your child," or "Call someone uh, you haven't talked to in a long time," and doing something that has nothing to do with really taking rest in the field that I'm in, was we thought was just ridiculous. And now that's the way to go. You go, and it tells your mind, you know, I'm going to take a break. Everything is okay. I'm going to be okay. Take a breather, and you come back. You seem to have more hours in your day. Like it almost stops time, and uh, we're finding more that that that's the stuff that works. Well, and the, the time that you are there is so much more productive. Yeah. Uh, if, if you if you you were well cared for and you're re-energized, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and I've seen um, <clears throat> over the years, I've actually seen some surgeons 
who got their energy from going to the operating room. Yes. You know, and, and they were exhausted and they go in the operating room and get to do surgery and their eyes light up and that and that's where they get their rejuvenation. Uh, not everybody gets their rejuvenation at work. Okay. Some <laughs> right. people do and, and I certainly have a lot of job satisfaction and you were mentioning earlier that you, you know this is kind of your your service. Yeah, uh, like to, me your service to, to mankind and, and to our community uh, is through your, your work. Not everybody has that luxury. And um, you can find that you'll get less done spending more time and finish less satisfied if all you do is work. Yes, And very if you much find so. the time to recharge, you'll get more done in less time and then you'll have more time to recharge and then it becomes uh, a, a production cycle as opposed to a vicious cycle of, of spiraling downward, which yeah. is what we've seen over the years. I can see that in other doctors I've talked to too, and I feel this way since you were talking about the news and how we do things. Yes, I have found that if I don't take that break, if I'm not fulfilled in other ways with family or the things that I love, or if I don't get to go kayaking, or if I don't get to hike, if I don't get outside, um, it still may light me up to be behind that desk or do that story or do what I'm doing now, which is what I love. This is my, this is what I love right here, talking to people. But I, I wouldn't be as lit up or feeling as good if I didn't have that outlet, if I didn't already feel grounded and with the things that are truly important. And it sounds like that's what you're saying too with this. It is, and, and you know, we actually are emphasizing that now with, with medical training. And, and again, the way, you know, they, they, when I was a resident, they called us residents because mm -hmm. we lived at the hospital. You know, our houses were places we visited occasionally <laughs> and went home and slept for a little while and took a shower and came back. And you know, now um, medical trainees have to have a certain number of hours off uh, in a day. They have to have a certain number of days off in a week. Um, and the old school way of thinking was, we're not preparing them. This is crazy. There's, they're actually thriving, and some of, you know. And I get to see these young minds who are being cared for on the front end, yeah. not have to work for thirty years to realize that, that this is important. And they, um, they're they're actually smarter, and they're thriving, and they they take excellent care of their patients. And then they take time to recharge, and they come back. And I think that can that's a lesson that we can really move into other places. Is that. You know, sometimes we almost have to force people to take time off. That's what I was going to ask you. Sometimes there's resistance. I know that I used to be that way when I thought working hard was all day. But someone told me, you have to go to lunch. You have to take a break. I was like, no, I feel better if I work through. And like, no, you don't. And it didn't. It didn't work. Finally, about 20 years ago, I realized, oh, you know what? I need to rest. Yeah, but it's Are hard you to, finding it? It's hard to tell people that it if really they've done is. it that way their whole lives. Yeah. You know? um, so is there some resistance even with the young ones coming in? Are they so excited that they don't want to rest? Or are they? they is, there is. And a lot of the... Um, 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 the younger doctors, when they're training, they want to prove themselves. Yes. They want to show themselves to be hard workers. And there's so much to learn. You know, and a lot of jobs are like that. You, when you start the job, you're young, you want to impress everybody, and there's so much volume of information now that you can stay on the internet getting quality information 24-7. Yeah. And so since availability to work and availability of growth is always there, you're tempted to always stay involved and always work. And it's very hard sometimes to get people to realize it. And then I think it's even harder for, like I said, for the generation that didn't know anything other than working to convince them to do it. Uh, I, I tell my residency students, there's a, um, there's a mural on the wall at Baylor in Dallas uh, at the hospital that says the most dangerous phrase in the language is, we've always done it this way. Oh. You know, and so um, yes. there's a lot of that in medicine. I'm sure there's a lot of that in media too. <laughs> yeah. This is the way we do it. You know, don't ask done it. It's why we've done it this way. Um, and there may be better ways. Yeah. And I think that uh, our approach to mental health 
um, is, is a prime example of that. Our approach to physical health is a good example. You know, for years, we did chest x-rays uh, and annual physical exams, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, then we did, they actually did some studies and realized that it really didn't do any good. We didn't find any more lung cancers. We spent a lot of money. We exposed people to radiation, and we really didn't find a lot of lung cancers doing that. Mm. And so eventually the evidence showed that it didn't pay to do this, and we quit doing them. But try to convince somebody who's got a chest X-ray once a year for the last 30 years, they don't need one this year. Yes. Because the evidence has changed. Um, and one of the things that I think our younger generation is better at doing is following the evidence and realizing that hey, science can be a good thing and science can prove things. Uh, and just because things look like they ought to be some way, sometimes science proves that those don't really work and we need to do things a different way. Um, and I think our older generations can learn from the younger people uh, <laughs> in accepting some of those things. Yeah, open your mind and compromise a little bit. Very just well. be open to the evidence. Well, Dr. Silt, this has been just amazing. I could talk to you all day about this. It's so fascinating. And thank you for pointing out and, and, and telling us what you've learned and, and what you're doing to help everyone with mental health. What is one thing, if someone's watching, whether it's someone in your field who's like really hearing this or just anyone in our field or anywhere, families, everything that's feeling like they're kind of hearing that, what's the one thing they could do to start to just ease into their life and have better mental health? I think the, the, the first thing that people need to have is self-awareness. Uh, and that to, to know that it's, it's okay to recognize that something is not right, um, but it's not okay to ignore it. And so, um, so many of us have a symptom that kind of creeps in. It's not like a light switch, you know, fatigue, uh, mental fog, difficulty concentrating, uh, appetite changes, uh, relationship changes, and they just kind of creep in over weeks to months to years and we think, well, I'm getting older, things are just changing, that's the way things are supposed to be. And that's just not the case. If it's, if it's not okay for you, it's not okay. Yeah. And I think it is okay to go ask for help. And, it gets, and if they don't find anything, you've got reassurance that you're not missing something that's gonna cause you harm. Uh, but most of the time, there is something wrong and you need to listen to that still small voice inside of you that says something's not right and to go pursue that and find out what it is and what can we do to help it. There's a lot of things that medicine can do to help you. Right. You know, and reassurance is a good thing, you know, and, and just knowing sometimes um, that your fears are, are, are unfounded is, is very valuable. And if you don't go seek those things out and you ignore them, they, you know, little things turn into big things. And I think being aware of self and not having a fear of, of asking for help or intervention, uh, that, that's the two biggest things that, that people can have. Yeah, I mean, you need to turn that around. Sometimes we're afraid to go because there's nothing. We don't want to be embarrassed because we had a whole doctor's appointment for this and it turned out to be nothing when that's the whole point now. Be, you know, be kinder to yourself. Go in. That's what your doctor is for. Well, and our industries have told people that they're whiners if they, yes. if they take, you know, if they complain or if they go to the doctor. And mm -hmm. uh, man, that just, uh, that couldn't be further from the truth no. is that we, now we have, we have mechanisms for helping people. Mm -hmm. um, and we have better medical things. And a lot of things that you think are, are all in your head turn out to be a medical issue that we can completely turn around and change your whole world by fixing. Uh, a lot of those things are those neurotransmitter imbalances you're talking about. Right. As people go through life, sometimes that dopamine and that norepinephrine aren't quite where they need to be. Mm -hmm. And we may need to help with that. Um, sometimes everything's fine. You mm -hmm. know, and you just are having a rough patch and we need to reassure. Sometimes you're not sleeping enough. 
Um, and sleep hygiene is something we could talk about for a long time. But as far as mental health, I think physical health, mental health, well-being, diet, mm -hmm. exercise, um, time off, sleep health, those are things that we tend to ignore, but they're huge components of overall well-being. Right. And if something's wrong with you, something's wrong. Go ahead. Go get it. Go get it checked out. Go get it checked and, out. And um, eat better, exercise more, sleep more. Three things that we all know and we're terrible at doing. <laughs> uh, but if you do those three things, a lot of those other things will take care of themselves. Uh, and, you know, get rid of the processed foods, exercise more, get 90 minutes a week of, of aerobic exercise. Uh, and you don't have to go to the gym and you don't have to do you know, crazy, insane aerobic exercise uh, if you're older and not used to doing that. 90 minutes a week of brisk walk yeah. uh, is great. And it's good for the mental health. Get outside. Get yes. that vitamin D. We were talking yeah. about that earlier. You've got to get outside. <laughs> I have to be uh, outside. Yes. And then during, during COVID, you know, we, a lot of people found outside. A lot of people were afraid to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you now, get outside. We're, we're without masks. COVID's a little less. Get outside and do something. Go kayaking. Go yeah. walking. Uh, eat a little better. Um, sleep a little more. Exercise a little more. And it'll cure a lot of what's going on. Yeah. Well, that's very good advice. Thank you so much. Terry, it was a pleasure. For me. Oh, I sure. Being and here. please come back. We'll talk about sleep deprivation. We'll talk about those three things. Yes. Come back. We'll do another episode and talk about how important those three things are. Very good. Thanks, All right. Terry. Thank you so much. Right. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us. You can download a new episode of these discussions every other Wednesday morning wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll meet you right here next time on Doc Talk.